three months is pretty, that's a pretty short time. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I have um, almost 700 subscribers, which shout out doesn't sound like a ton to most people. But for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. And um, yeah, my biggest video has 16,000 views. So congratulations. That's, yes. That's thank huge. You. Yeah. I feel like it's huge. It's yeah. Probably not compared to most actual YouTubers. But yeah. But everybody starts somewhere. That's right. the thing. Is most yeah. people are like, oh, yeah, I've only got, you know, a thousand or two thousand. It's like, OK, well. Yeah. People that get millions of views started somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So as what made you want to start? So it's modern home um, setting with Tessa. Yes. And so what made me want to start was I always had people asking me like, oh, that's cool. How do you do that? Or, you know, I'd give someone salsa. Oh, how do you do that? You know, and um, like I saved the seeds from the tomatillos that grew that salsa. You know what I mean? And so I'd have, so I'd be always, you know, explaining like, oh, you do this, this, and this, and then, or I'd have people over and teach them, you know, how to can something or whatever. And um, and then I met this uh, gal who is a YouTuber. We were like camping out at Swimmers, and she's. I was talking to her about it. She's like, you should totally do YouTube. I'm like, I am so like computer illiterate I there's no way she's like no if I can do it you can do it and you know walked me through she was like you need to get these programs whatever and and kind of got me I was like okay maybe and um and so that's kind of where it started was just people asking me though like how do you do this you know and like um so yeah and then the videos is something that I can be like oh here just watch the video <laughs> you know it beats yeah. you having to explain it to every individual yes, person exactly yeah so. was the lady that said you should do YouTube, was she doing homesteading videos as well? No, she's, um, so Lisa and she, they do, um, they like travel all around the United States and just YouTube where they're traveling with their family. That's, yeah, so, yeah. Pretty sweet gig. Yeah, and so she was like, she was like, oh, I'm going to go back and like plant a garden when I get home and like was all into it and yeah, so. Were you a little hesitant at first, thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, I was, YouTube, I was is like, that really for me? Right. I was like, are people even going to be into that? You know what I mean? And um, is it going to be worth the time and effort to do that? Because I know it's a lot. Like, a lot of time. The, a lot of time and doing the editing. Like, um, so, but I really want to help people do it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're so far away from our food. Like, we're so disconnected. And, um, and I love our local community and I feel like in Humboldt, we're so much more, we're closer to our food than I think a lot of other places, but we're not like there yet, you know? And I think like the backbone of every, you know, strong community is food security and yeah. So close to our food and yet still separated we're in still a weird so way. We're still so far from it. Yeah. We're still so far from it. Which it's it's interesting that it feels like there's this resurgence going on yeah. where people want to do homesteading. They yeah. want to live off the grid. They want right. to grow their own food, slaughter their own meat. Yeah. It's kind of had a comeback moment. Totally. And but I think like so many of those skills have been lost. Like we skipped, you know, a couple generations of doing it. And so stuff that you normally would have learned from your parents and your grandparents, like we didn't do that. And so I think people are like, okay, I don't even know where to start. You know what I mean? And I think that our diets too are like, we're so dependent on processed, you know, food-like substances. We like for don't everything. even know how, for everything. We like, we don't know how to cook. We don't know, you know, the first thing about it. And so um, it's a long, it's a long journey, but I think it's something that people are kind of waking up to like, 
COVID happened and we kind of saw how, you know, fragile our food systems were, you know, and um, I think people are like looking at the future and what's going on and like mm, probably wouldn't be a bad thing to put in a couple of tomatoes, you know? <laughs> I think COVID woke a lot of people up. Yeah, totally. Just absolutely. the idea that, oh, you can go to the grocery store and there's not going to be there's no meat food. on the yeah. shelves. Uh-huh. Oh, there's not going to be eggs. There's not right. these staples. What do we, what do we do? Yeah. We just what do we cereal do? now for the next few months? Exactly. If you can even get that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, and that year in 2020 too, like people are like, oh, I'll just grow my own chickens. And so there's this like huge, like, you know, demand for chicks and all the hatcheries sold out. And so people who like normally bought chicks from the hatcheries were like, where's all the chicks? Yeah, thanks guys. And then once you get chicks, it's still another, you know, six months before you have eggs. So, um, so getting ready now before you need it is kind of the key, you know? It's weird that the idea of a prepper, I guess you could yeah. kind of throw that uh-huh. in there too. Yeah. That used to be the conspiratorial thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, you have six months worth of food at your house? What? Right. What are you, a prepper? Yeah. What do you yeah. think's going to happen? What right. Are you blow something up and now everyone it's is like, in that state. Yes. Oh, maybe uh-huh. I should have some maybe water. Maybe not I a bad have, idea. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should right? have some food somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Had yeah. you always done, I'm assuming you grew up on a farm. Uh, sorta, sorta. Farm adjacent. <laughs> sorta. Yeah, I grew up all over Humboldt. So from like Piercy to Hydesville to all over, all over Humboldt County. Um, but like the, like the homesteading stuff didn't really start until I was an adult. So, um, that's when I, uh, really start. like I got my first pressure canner when I was 18 and that's when I started like canning and I had, like I lived down in San Diego and I had like these little planters with like cucumbers and like some herbs you know and um so that's really where it started but it's always it's been this journey that's been going since then you know and I've just been building and building on it and now I I'm at this point where like I could literally live for two years on what I have stored right now and I've made all of it you know what I mean and how many people can say that Right. I know. Yeah. And like people will be like, oh, I know where I'm going when, you know, crap hits the fan. I'm like, no, you're Sorry, not. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll teach you how, though. But I can't feed everybody. That was another motivation behind starting the YouTube channels. People being like, you know, oh, I'll just come to your house. No, that's not that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> no, guys. that's not what's going to happen. And um, but I'll show you how like you could feed yourself. So, yeah. So a slow progression. Have yeah. you always been growing your own food or that kind of started around yeah, 18 too? Yeah, uh, that started around 18 or yeah, when I was 18 as well. Yeah. And it was like, you know, started with a couple pots and then like I'd live in an apartment and I'd have like some lettuce or whatever, you know, um, and then it just expanded from there. Yeah. Did you just like the idea of growing and storing your own food or did something happen that? Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, when I was a kid, food security wasn't necessarily a given for me without getting too deep. We're not recording yet, right? No, we're going. Okay, we're okay. up. We're up. <laughs> oh, we are. Yeah, we're oh, going. Oh, we're going. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I like to call that the slow roll. <laughs> we're just going. Surprise. No, yeah. So food security wasn't um necessarily like a the steadiest flow. Right. Yeah. And so it was very important to me, you know, as an adult to have that and to be able to pr- provide that. Um because I kind of, you know, had a unique perspective on, you know, what it's like to not have 
food around. And so um, I think I have more of an appreciation maybe because I know what it's like to not have that. Um, and so that's kind of, I think, the initial driving factor behind it. Yeah. So I am kind of worried about my generation oh, in the yeah. sense of having and not having. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have grown up, even if you're not in the best circumstances, you still have a lot. Right. And so yeah. the idea, especially regarding food and water, the idea of not having that is it's almost too foreign for us. So the right. idea that, oh, we yeah. would need to save this because we it might not come is Right. We're a little spoiled. <laughs> That's a great way of summing it up. <laughs> you know, like I think like we don't really um, you know, know what it's like to really actually truly not have enough food. Yeah. So And even if you don't have a lot of money coming in, you could grow your own food oh, absolutely. and subsidize a lot of that. But most yeah. people don't do that. Either they don't have the space or they don't have the time. I think it's mostly they don't have the know-how. You can grow a lot of your own food for very inexpensively and on not very much room. Like you could do it in a pot, you know, on a patio in an apartment and still supplement somewhat. And then if you have those skills of being able to preserve food, you can take advantage of times when there's plenty like if you you know in the fall when somebody has you know an apple tree they're not gonna pick you know apples from you can be like oh I'll come pick them and I'll make applesauce and I'll give you some of the applesauce in trade and so then you have your pantry stocked up on applesauce for the year which by the way tastes so much better than anything you can buy in the store I don't know if you've ever had homemade applesauce it's really good oh, it's it's incredible homemade food in general is just in general usually yes. better oh my gosh it's like going back to like uh we went to uh Montana last fall and I had for a week and I had to buy everything dude okay it's so expensive and it's gross especially now I yeah. mean egg prices are up yeah. What? Twelve dollars a dozen? Something like or something? that. It, yeah. Something crazy. And I've not skipped a beat on eggs. Like I've, I'm like, oh yeah, rolling. <laughs> you know. Uh, no, but it, it was. I was like, wow, this is insane. Like it's, it does not taste good at all. You know what I mean? Like when you've been making it yourself and. Like, I love food. I love good food. I love to eat good. It's yeah. It's, I'm a sucker for bread. Bread gets me oh, yeah. every time, especially uh -huh. a nice slow of Homemade bread. Oh my just, gosh! You're dipping in some butter, butter and yeah, slathered with some Rumiano grass-fed butter. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like just the quality. You can almost yeah. taste it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then I would imagine, especially for you, where you're not eating a lot of processed stuff, mm -hmm. to go to that is just it doesn't it's translate night and day. well. No, yeah. no. I actually just recently did a bread making video on my YouTube channel. And it's like, it's so easy to do. Um, and it's like five ingredients. And um, I had so many people like message me and be like, oh, I made the bread and it was so good. And like people making bread for the first time. And I'm like, oh, that is so like, that is why I'm doing that, you know, is to help people be able to do that. Um, and um, yeah, it's delicious. Absolutely delicious. And I'll so have easy. to check that video out. I yes. saw, I was watching your lard video oh, yeah. today uh -huh, and yeah. I didn't realize how much vitamin D is in lard? Yeah. I would have never thought that. Isn't that crazy? It's the second highest food source of vitamin D. Like the only thing that has more vitamin D in it that you can eat is cod liver oil, which. How many of us are eating that? Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, not really into that. Like, and I can't produce that. You know what I mean? But like lard is just this natural byproduct. If you're raising your own pigs, then you have all this fat anyway. And, you know, anytime you're raising an animal, you want to honor as much of the animal as you can. 
and it's a fat source that you can produce on the homestead and it's actually really really good for you um like there was this study it was like bbc or something that did this study on they started out with a thousand different foods and then they narrowed it down to the hundred most nutritious foods and on that list pork fat was number eight most nutritious like more than like you know chia seeds <laughs> and so it's actually really really good for you in moderation of course um but if the rest of your diet is looking like you know home raised you know pork and like some corn on the cob then some lard is a great addition to that kind of diet you know so yeah lard is like totally got a bad rap um it uh started with crisco so like why am i not surprised that that name yeah, would come up okay so so lard used to be like just a staple in you know households for cooking fat or whatever and then um, Crisco, it was like one of the first really effective marketing campaigns with Crisco, uh, you know, basically saying how lard was terrible and not bad for you and how vegetable oil was way healthier, you know, healthier alternative for you. And um, which we know now is not true, <laughs> you know, all these hydrogenated fats and stuff. There was also around that same time, um, Upton Sinclair uh, wrote a book called The Jungle, I don't know if you've heard of it, but he talks about in that he talks about in New York, they were um, uh, in these uh, lard factories. They had these like giant vats of lard rendering down or whatever. And he said that like people would fall in them and then like just get rendered down with the rest of the lard and get sent out to the public, which wasn't true. But everyone was like, ew. Effective branding. Right. Very effective. And so um, so that like. Crisco, you know, marketing campaign was so effective that we still have this like collective recoil when it comes to lard. You know what I mean? Like Tina, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great reference. Yeah. Subtle plug there. Right. Um, yeah. So diet is just weird yeah. in general today. There yeah. was some, I don't know if it was an NIH poster or something. It circulated online for a little while about how I think it was cereal is better than a grass-fed steak on their whatever hierarchy they came out with and some people actually believe that they think that you can have too much red meat or Mm. that really shouldn't eat a lot of animal products meanwhile there's like the guy who like only ate beef and water for a year did you see that and he was like way healthier is it I don't know. I okay. can't remember. Liver King, that was the guy taking PEDs and he just looks yeah, shredded. Yeah, uh-huh. And he was like way healthier and in better shape than ever. Um, but I I mean, it changes so much like from year to year on what they say we should be eating. You know what I mean? And you got to wonder to what kind of lobbying and subsidizing is affecting what comes out of those studies. You know what I mean? So I guess for me, I'm just... You know, eating what we used to be able to produce ourselves. Like, we didn't used to have all these problems with, you know, obesity and with um, heart problems and all that stuff. Like, we didn't used to, like, have that problem until our diet started to change just in the last, like, what, 100, 100, 200 years, you know? So think about what we were eating before that. We were eating a lot of red meat. We were eating a lot of vegetables. um, Some grains, but, I mean... If you've ever grown grain, you know it takes a lot of effort to grow enough grain to eat the amount that we as a society are eating, you know, proportionally now. And so that's kind of what, I don't know if I would call it keto or whatever. I just eat what I can make. You know what I mean? And um, 
a lot of meat and a lot of vegetables is the bulk of it. But yeah, the diet thing, it just changes. Like one year they're like, oh, it's good for you. And next year you're like, oh, no, it's bad for you. And it's, yeah, changes a lot. It's weird. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the lobbying aspect. I mean, we know that for a fact mm-hmm. with the sugar industry that it right. lobbied. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and corn. And Corn's the, majorly and the subsidized. That, we wouldn't, that wouldn't translate to anything else. That, no, right. they just stopped at sugar right. and corn. Right. And some soy. Right. But no, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't attack meat. They didn't attack fat. Right. Yeah. No, it's... It's, it's crazy. It's sus. It's definitely, you know, like, yeah, gets you thinking like, eh, maybe I just won't listen to them. <laughs> I know people that eat like Honey Nut Cheerios or those kind of lesser cereals where it's not just complete sugar, like mm-hmm. Frosted Flakes. I'm a sucker for Frosted yeah. Flakes. <laughs> and they think that that's not bad for them. Right. It's no, like, it's... Look, do you see how... It's like 54 grams of sugar per yeah, cup. And it's which like, is... you don't think that does... Yeah. That's okay. And simple carbs, like, no. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Which, if you want to eat it, I'm all for you doing Go whatever you want to do. Do what you want to do, At yeah. least... Let's help people be informed about it. Right. That's yes. what gets me. For the people who are open to, you know, learning and, and um, you know, want to maybe make some changes and have seen maybe some negative health effects from that kind of diet and, you know, uh, or have a wake-up call and they need to change their diet. Um, for those people, those are, you know, for me on the YouTube, those are my target audience. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not out here trying to f- convince people, you know, that having fried eggs is better than Fruit Loops every morning um, if you're into Fruit Loops. But for the people who are like, I want to start eating better, you know, and I really want to be more secure in my food sources and I want to have a hand in that and I want to be able to pronounce the ingredients in my food, those would be the, you know, the audience that I'm speaking to that's your target yeah yeah totally do you get a lot of i would imagine a lot of support from that community saying what you're doing is great oh yeah no people are super into it and um like i have people who are like bought their first canner and they're like look at my you know shelf of canned stuff and um and they're like buying seeds and getting ready for garden season and like people are like super into it they're like i had no idea you could even do that you know and um, so, yeah, no, people are people are stoked on it. Yeah, more than I actually even anticipated. Yeah. So that's been cool. That's but, a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of people just, it's hard, like you said, getting the resources and figuring out if you don't have anybody in your immediate family that is doing this. Right. Yeah. That's one of the beautiful things about YouTube is you can go to this oh, yeah. site and yeah. learn whatever you want to learn. Right. And it's exactly. all there. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a great day and age. But those skills take time to build. You know what I mean? That's like, the problem is it's not an overnight transition. Right. Yeah. It's one thing to watch the video on how to butcher a deer. It's another thing to actually do it, <laughs> you know, and do every little part and then become proficient at it to where you can do it without watching the YouTube video. So it's it's a great starting point for sure. And it's we're really fortunate to be living in a day and age where we have access to that. Um, but there's still, you know, the idea of building those skills. I mean, if the internet's not there, you know what I mean? Like there's, that's a possibility. And, um, I guess that's kind of what I'm, you know, prepared for is like, and, and the deeper you get into it, the more you know that you don't know, you know what I mean? The more you learn, the more you realize how much you need to learn, you know? And, um, like the idea of people, you know, being like, oh, if grocery stores run out, I'll just go get a deer. Like, 
I just think I don't know if you've ever that been deer hunting. It's that hunting. easy. Yeah. I'll just go out into the forest. <laughs> like, I'll get one with like my bare hands. Just get a deer every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And don't realize like that's not a given. Um, and if you're just relying on that for your one source of red meat, then you're going to be hungry. You know. Um, and so getting out there and doing it and finding where the struggles are and, you know, streamlining systems and finding what you can do in your area too, you know? Um, so like someone in the South might be able to grow, you know, a ton of, I don't know, like, uh, watermelons or whatever, you know, like we can't do that like in this climate as much. So finding out what works in your climate and also your like local microclimate and learning all of that stuff too. So yeah, it's a lot to it. I talk a lot about this thin veneer of society and how we all kind of live in this weird protective bubble where we don't really have to think about certain things because we're a part of society. We're mostly mm -hmm. safe. Yeah. And I think food is one of the foundations of that. Oh, absolutely. Because as long as there's stable food, as long as there's electricity, life's pretty okay. Right. It's pretty okay. We have a lot of problems. Right. But it's pretty okay. Right. Power goes off. Shit hits the fan. Oh my gosh, people panic. It's crazy. And I was seeing on like Facebook and stuff, people are like, is Winco open? I'm like, who is grocery shopping right now? But there are people who can't go. They don't have anything. They have nothing, like for a day, for hours without a grocery store. And that is kind of scary. The toilet paper shortage oh. is what made me realize, oh, it would get ugly fast. fast. It's because if you're going to the store... And your concern is toilet paper and a power right. outage? Right. You got, we have some serious We're problems. We're a long ways off. Yeah. Whereas like when all, you know, the earthquakes and the flooding and everything, I was just like, I'll just hunker down. You know, I don't, I'm not going to go to the store. You know what I mean? Like, it was just crazy to me that people were, um, you know, like can't even go a day. That's scary. Cause then people do crazy stuff when they're desperate, you know? People do crazy stuff when they're not desperate. <laughs> that's true. And then to be desperate, yeah. it's like, we're going to up this a couple right. notches. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. And it goes south fast. Like, what was the uh, the snowstorm in Buffalo? Did you see that stuff? Yeah. Some people died. Yeah. I believe, in their car. People there was one girl that died a couple blocks from her house. Yes. And just froze to death. And like, why are you outside? Like... Uh, but people were, like, looting stores, like, immediately. Like, it hadn't even been hours. People are snowed in. They're already looting stores and stealing stuff. And, you know, hey, well, like, crazy, crazy, immediately. It didn't take long at all. When people don't feel safe, mm -hmm. they can justify whatever they want. Mm -hmm. That is true. And it's, there's so many people. Yeah. You're in a big city. I mean, even here, yeah. we're... There's not a whole lot of people, but if you're down in L.A., right, Dude. what are you going to do? Shit Ugly. hits the fan. You've got millions of people right. fighting for survival. Right. No, that's like the worst place to be if, you know, anything pops off is like in a big city like that. It's scary. Even yeah. if it's just an earthquake. Right. You don't want to yes. be there. Uh-huh. Exactly. Even if it's just a minor, you know, incident that happens, let alone something actually like a really big deal, you know, so... When we had that earthquake a couple of weeks ago and it knocked the power out, I went to Murphy's to just grab some stuff. Yeah. And I bought some canned foods and some fruits, non-perishable kind of stuff. Right. And everybody around me was grabbing frozen dinners what? and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, you don't even what have an hour to right. eat. What? Yeah. What are we 
What yeah. is happening? The cashier laughed when I rolled up and he's like, oh, you've been through this before. And I was like, apparently nobody else has because right. everybody's grabbing food. You need yeah. a stove or you need right. your microwave. So what I was doing during the power outage, I went to my pantry and I pulled out a jar of some homemade turkey soup that I had made and a jar of green beans and I think like a jar of tomato sauce or something. And I put it in a Dutch oven on the wood stove and warmed it up and that was dinner. You know what I mean? Like no power needed, like everything was all ready to go. Um, and it was all homegrown, you know, homemade stuff. Didn't have to leave, you know, we already had the wood fire going anyway, you know? And so it was very low impact. <laughs> well, and you're kind of, I mean, you're the prime example of how easy it could be because mm. you're growing everything you've oh, got yeah. all your own stores right yeah the people that are going to the store that's that's the last person you want to be if you can hunker yeah. down for a day okay right you don't want to be the one that's going to the store right when it happens, which was me i was in that crowd yeah. and i'm looking around I'm like this would be so bad yeah if shit really hit the fan and think about if it just went on you know a little longer you know then people get more and more desperate and do more desperate things and yeah but it's really not that hard. It's really not. It just takes, you know, thinking about it. Like I'm, you know, meal planning now for like what I'm eating next fall. You know what I mean? I'm already thinking about like, okay, what am I, you know, what animals am I going to grow? What crops am I going to grow? I'm, you know, looking at my stores of canned food and I'm like, oh, I probably want to grow more green beans next year, you know, or whatever. Um, and, and so it takes that forethought though of like not going day to day or week to week or even month to month, like thinking at the beginning of the season, the beginning of the growing season, like, okay, what do I need to do more of this year or whatever, you know? Um, but even if you don't have land to grow your own stuff, you can find people who have too much stuff. And if you have those pre preserving skills, um, like I said, with the applesauce, like you can, you can put food on your shelves and, um, just by having the skills, even if you live in an apartment, you know what I mean? Um, so learning the skills is where it's at. Yeah. Well, and if you know the skills and can do a little bit on your own, you can trade that stuff mm -hmm. for things that you don't have. Absolutely. Which you can't go to a grocery store and do that. They right. laugh you out the front door. Exactly. I actually, I started this Facebook group called um, Humboldt Homestead Trade Post, where people can go on and be like, hey, I have too many plums. And someone else is like, oh, I have a lot of lemons. Let's trade. You know what I mean? Or... Um, like I recently traded some pickled beets for some sunchokes, you know, cause I wanted some sunchokes or whatever. And, um, so if you have like a whole bunch of one thing, you know, like you have a trading, you know, value to trade with someone else who has food. So you've that's seen, a cool resource. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you just know how to do stuff, then be all right. <laughs> do you think we're going to continue the trend where more people try to pick those skills up? I do. I, I think that people from all walks of life and all ages, I've seen people, you know, that they've really been wanting to do it. And I think that those people, like once they start, they're not going to be able to go back. You know what I mean? Like once they have homemade applesauce, they're not going to want to go back to the store because they'll realize how easy it is um, and how attainable it really is. So I think we are going to continue to see an upward trend in people wanting to do that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. It's weird that there are people out there that f push back against that, that don't want people doing that. They say, no, you should just go to the grocery store. Why do you need to do this? Why do you need to waste your time? It doesn't <laughs> matter. The grocery stores are always going to be there. Control the food, control the people, right? So whoever has control of the food has control of the people. So I think that the people who maybe don't want to be, you know, uh, controlled are going to want to do that. 
Um, but there is that pushback. Like I have literally had someone tell me like when I was talking about, okay, it actually was applesauce. And they're like, you know what I do when I want applesauce? I go to the store and I buy applesauce. And I was like, mm, good for you, Gary. You know, like, <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, but those are the people who are going to be hurting if, you know. Gary's going to be the first one to go. Gary's going to be the first one to go. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not, you know, going to concern myself with them. Like that's, you do what you want. And that's the beauty of America is you do what you want. You know what I mean? Don't like it, don't look. <laughs> not even in a control aspect, but the push towards non-animal animal products is Ooh, what freaks isn't that me out. weird? Freaks me out, especially when it comes from Bill Gates. I know people go yeah. down the rabbit hole of oh, yeah. Bill Gates is some Buying all the farmland, yeah. yeah. That's real, though. The farmland, the push towards fake eggs and yes. fake meat Lab -grown freaks meat. me out. Yeah, isn't that a trip? Yeah, no, that and is... people's willingness to just toe the line. The yes, we need burger. to do this for the, for the environment. We need to stop eating meat. You just have to suck it up and do this. Yeah, no, I, that is really, really scary to me, actually, um, because that stuff can't be good for you. It can't be good for you. There's no way. You know, something grown in a lab or whatever, I don't trust it. And um, and I think, though, with that uh, concern with the climate, it's not the people who are like, you know, here in Humboldt, the Humboldt grass-fed beef or whatever. Those are not the people, you know, negatively affecting the environment. It's the massive, massive, you know, concentration camp factory farms that are, when you put that many animals into one space, like you're going to have a multitude of issues. But the people who are, you know, like locally growing stuff that doesn't have to travel very far to get to you. It's not using tons of fossil fuel to get to you. It's not using tons of fossil fuel to produce. Um, it's not contributing to a post-antibiotic era, like the overuse of antibiotics, because when you put all those animals together, you kind of have to use an obscene amount of antibiotics as a preventative to just keep them alive. Um, so you're not contributing to that. So those the the people that are are you know out here like have thousands of acres with cows on them, you know those are not the people contributing to. But that's how we all want our food to be grown, right? Like that's the ideal. Um, we want our chickens to be running around, you know, eating grass and bugs and stuff. And we want to see cows out, you know, on pasture. And then you like drive by like Harris Ranch down south. Have you ever driven by that place? It's like just thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of cows all crammed in. And, um, and the beef industry is actually one of the least, uh, you know, one of the better once it's when you get into like chickens the chicken pigs, ones scare me the chicken i've one. seen some of those PETA videos of where like the, the chickens are just cramped in the battery cages yeah dude is not that and the battery cages yeah they'd have like seven chickens in like a you know that big they can't even and they're pushing out the sides yes because they're too big feathers like they routinely clip beaks so that they're not a wasting feet or b picking at each other um, so then, uh, the battery cages have actually kind of gone the way of the yo-yo a little bit. And we have moved now to this cage-free thing though. But have you ever seen a, an actual cage-free egg operation? It's, it's like the same amount of birds in the same amount of space, but now they're just not in cages. And so you think about the 
A, the air quality, all those feathers just kicking up all that fecal matter. Um, and B, now they're all just like picking on each other. Like, I don't know if you've seen chickens like hang out together. There's the, the term pecking order comes from chickens. Like there's a hierarchy and those lower on the hierarchy get pecked on by the higher up chickens. Okay. So when you put that many little T-Rexes in that small of a space, they're going to beat each other up. Did you know too that chickens are the closest living relative to T-Rexes? I did know that. It's pretty yeah. great. They're little dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, that's the perfect yeah. way to oh, phrase they it. they are. Yeah. And watching chickens makes me like 10 times more afraid of T-Rexes. <laughs> yeah, ruthless. I've heard that chickens will delete anything <clears throat> if oh, they yeah. think they can get it. Oh yeah. They'll totally like cannibalize each other. It, like if one chicken starts to get a little wound, they'll all like pick at it. You have to like r separate them and spray it with blue stuff to keep them from picking on them. No, they're ruthless. Yeah. Is the pecking order just a dominance structure? Yeah, dominance and who gets first dibs on the food and the water and the best perching spots, you know, best roosting spots at night. And um, yeah, who's the the top rooster? Not that they have roosters in though, but who, who has the ladies? And um, yeah, so that's, it's just a hierarchy thing. Yeah. So those, those facilities yeah. scare the shit out of me. They're and terrible. The fact that you can't film inside of them. Right. Yeah. And those people get in trouble for doing that. Yeah. Well, you I mean, the public see it. Okay. So we go back to, we have freedom, right? They have the freedom to do it for now. The only thing that we really can do is vote with our dollars and not buy it. The reason that it exists is because people buy it. Right. And so if we stop buying it, then they, there stops being a demand for it. And I think, I seriously think chickens could save the world. <laughs> so, uh, um, just as a food product? Oh, just food product as um, uh, eliminating food waste. So, like, in the United States, we waste 40% of all the food that we produce. Have you ever heard that? 40%. Like, all the food That's that... That's a crazy high number. Right? Isn't it? Like, all the food that we make in the United States that is intended for human consumption, we waste 40% of it along the chain. And most of it is down, like, at the consumer level. Um but so they did this um, experiment in Belgium and uh, they were trying to find a way to reduce their food waste in this one city in Belgium. And um, so someone had the absolutely genius idea to um, give chickens out. So they gave out, I can't remember how many chickens, but um, to all these households um, in the city and they dramatically reduced their food waste and also as like an awesome byproduct the eggs you know you got eggs too um so like any household could support you know four or five six chickens um and not have to buy chicken food and completely eliminate their food waste and then also have eggs you know so they're I mean? just feeding their waste to the chickens. Yes, exactly. So all of like, you know, what's left over on your plate or like you clean out your fridge. You know what I mean? Like chickens, pretty much anything that you or I could eat, a chicken can eat. So it would completely eliminate food waste, completely eliminate the need for the commercial egg industry. And um, and chickens are awesome. But anyway, yeah. So I think that chickens could, that would be awesome. And low maintenance, right? Chickens are pretty Super easy to take care of. Very low maintenance. Yes, exactly. You just feed them, let them do their thing, provide them. They need a place to roost at night and they need a nest box. That's pretty much it. If you have a predator issue, you want to be able to lock them up at night. Um, but most people living in town are not going to have that kind of problem. So yeah, no, chickens are awesome. I love chickens. Then you kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, exactly. Food waste and you have eggs. Exactly. And you could also eat the chickens. Exactly. Yep, exactly. The argument win -win. that I've always heard is that in order to have society set up the way that we do, 
you need to have factory farming. You buy into that? Agree. In order to have factory farmed humans, you have to have factory farmed animals. So if you have all these people living in such a close concentration of, you know, proximity, then yeah, you do have to have that. But I also personal opinion, I think that's unnatural too. You know, to have so many people living in such a close proximity, um, I think is not not real sustainable. Yeah. It it affects the way that you view people when you're, you're climbing over everybody all day. Yeah, day it does. Well, I mean, you go to the city or an airport, you know what I mean? And people are mean, like for no reason. Like It's survival of the, uh, airports especially, it's airports. survival of the fittest. Yeah. You're going to get run over if you stop for too long. Exactly. Like, be nice, you know? But it's that perceived anonymity. Like, we don't know people, so we don't care. And the, the internet just amplifies that, you know, with the perceived anonymity and you see what people say to each other online, like I would never say to somebody in person, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, and so I think that that environment is, you know, I don't know if that is, you know, the best thing for humans to live either. You know what I mean? And again, I know, I understand that's a personal preference, but, um, yeah, that's what I think. Do you think we could get it to a model where everybody's growing their own stuff? I mean, would that be feasible at scale for people in LA or in San Diego or these bigger cities? I think in LA, no, I don't think you could do it in LA or in San Diego. No, I don't think you could. Um, I think that it would take, you know, like you could have every single rooftop covered in a rooftop garden. It's not going to grow enough. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but then you like the air quality, everything, you know what I mean? Like I, no, I don't think it's, there's just too many factors when you get there's at too that many people scale. too close together. Yeah, too many people too close together. And you think about the magnitude of stuff that has to be shipped in from all over the place in order to sustain that. Yeah. I mean, what's the alternative? I I think you could start with just fixing factory farming and make it so maybe. that these animals aren't stacked on top of each other. Maybe you have fewer animals spread out farther, but then that affects the bottom line. And are they willing to do that? Right. So if people are willing to pay for that, then absolutely. Like if people are willing to pay the true cost of what it takes to raise, you know, animals ethically, then yes, absolutely we can. <clears throat> but I don't think that people are willing to pay that true price you know what I mean of what it actually takes to raise something ethically it's always going to take more you know um than than the factory farms you know what I mean so um I don't know yeah what do you think the price difference would be for like you to raise a chicken versus the chicken that you would buy for six bucks at <laughs> Costco double at double. least yes uh-huh absolutely okay so the Costco chicken thing is a very interesting thing so Costco actually loses money on the rotisserie chickens that is not a money maker for them it is you know something that draws people in gets them to the back of the store um, but they actually do not make money on a rotisserie chicken and there is no way you could even raise a chicken for five dollars or six dollars or whatever let alone have it processed and roast you know what i mean rotisserie i was thinking of the whatever. rotisserie yeah. chicken when i said that right. i had no idea yeah no they lose money on that that's not a money maker um so like so if you're looking at numbers that actually raising chicks and it's all economy of scale too you know what i mean the more you're buying at once the cheaper it's usually going to be but um like you're gonna pay like three bucks at least for two three bucks for a chick that like might die and then you're gonna pay another you know 
um, off the top of my head, I would say probably 15, 10, 10 bucks, probably in feed for the lifetime of the chicken. Then you have the processing time, all the equipment and stuff. But I'll come back to that. There's a way that if people locally want to um, process their own chickens. Um, so at the end of the day, you're looking at, I don't know, 20 bucks just to raise a chicken. 20 bucks for a chicken. Yeah. And what are we talking about lifespan-wise to where you would oh, cultivate? Oh, it's super fast, seven weeks. Seven weeks, so seven 20 weeks. bucks for seven weeks. Yeah, so there's a huge difference between like egg-laying chickens and meat chickens. So egg-laying chickens, they're, they're completely separate creatures entirely. So an egg-laying chicken, um, you know, is bred to lay eggs. They live for a few years, five, seven years. In the commercial industry, they usually don't keep them past the first year, maybe two. Um, and they're very light bodied. If you were to process one for meat, you would be surprised. Disappointing. Very disappointed. Yes. Uh, like there's no breast meat. They're very, very slight, small bodied birds that were bred just to lay eggs. So a meat chicken, like what you would, what, what you find in the store is actually um, a hybrid. That's a result of all this um, breeding. Um, very, very specialized. There's only like four companies in the world that even do this. And then, um, and then that last cross, that last hybrid results in this meat blob of a chicken and they grow crazy fast. So like you'll buy them as a chick and then six to seven weeks later, they'll be six or seven pounds dressing, dressed weight, like, like huge chicken. Um, and so, yeah, it, so they grow incredibly fast. Um, don't, I think I read something that if you don't slaughter them, right. they're Weight will just crush They'll their legs. They'll literally like collapse under the weight of their own body. Like their bones cannot keep up with it. However, having said that, I will say that if you um, restrict feed and keep them in like a, a more free range um, type of lifestyle, and if you raise them with other chickens, I've done this before where I've gotten Cornish cross chickens to live for even two years, couple years, long enough that I was able to hatch um, chicks out of the eggs that they laid like long enough that they're laying eggs and stuff so you can but no they're not designed to do that it's like usually unethical like if you were really feeding them and raising them for meat you have to process them you can't just be like oh just he'll just live here no you have to you have to process them it's yeah not, that's pretty crazy it is yeah like, I mean talk about literally just breeding for food that's oh, yeah, uh-huh. They can't naturally reproduce. They don't even live long enough to lay eggs usually, yeah. No, their their sole purpose is to... Just eat. Just to eat. And yes. then be eaten. Yes. So then in the middle, you so you got egg-laying chickens and then you have meat chickens. In the middle, we have what we call dual-purpose chickens. So back in the day, we used to just raise, you know, dual-purpose chickens, big, meaty chickens um, for meat, but they're going to take five, six months to to grow out and to finish, and they're not going to be nearly like the breast meat is going to be next to nothing, you know, on them. Um, and so they're not going to look anything like what you would be used to in the store. So, And there's kind of a resurgence with the dual, the dual purpose breeds coming back, people wanting to do that. Um, and they, um, taste-wise, they're a little bit tougher because they're not like – baby chickens you know what I mean um they're a little bit tougher but there's a lot more flavor in them and they're a lot more like chickeny deep rich flavor um but you definitely have to cook them different like a low slow long time yeah and to raise them it takes longer mm -hmm. and a lot more feed you're gonna spend at least double the amount of feed on raising them yeah 
why do they why do they get rid of the hens that they're using for egg laying after one to two years if they're viable for a few more well so the uh, hen is going to lay the most eggs the first year and then it slowly dwindles after that so as they get older they'll lay less and less eggs and so for from a production if you're trying to do max production then you it's cheaper to just get rid of that batch and get a whole new batch of chickens that's going to be you know first year layers that are laying the maximum amount of money so or amount of eggs are they what do they do they just off the hens mm-hmm. they don't yeah. use any of it um no i think they will use them um and i think i uh, a lot of that goes into like soup and stock and stuff like that will be used for that um and yeah so they will use them and there's like rescues out there that rescue you know battery cage chickens and stuff like that but that's a small percentage but um yeah but they'll still lay for you know a couple few more years yeah It'll definitely drop off, but their eggs actually get bigger too. As they um, get older, they'll lay bigger eggs. Man, it's a tough, it's a tough trade-off. It because is. who's gonna want to pay twenty bucks at the grocery store for right. a chicken? Well, like farmers market, you know, a, a chicken's like eight dollars a pound. You know what I mean? Which I mean, maybe prices are gonna in the store. It looks like they're getting yeah. The up way there. it's going, yeah. it might actually be uh-huh. a comparable trade-off. Yeah, like farmers market, like um, you know, grass, you know, pasture raised chicken is um, yeah, like eight dollars a pound. Like a boneless skinless chicken breast would be fifteen dollars a pound. But if you taste that stuff, like if you've ever had, have you ever had a pasture raised chicken? So, I don't, I don't okay. think so. So there's this way of raising um, meat birds. Instead of like cramming them all into, a, you know, a, a big, huge building, they never see the light of day, you know, um, you can raise them on pasture. And so um, they have to be in a brooder for the first three weeks. And um, a brooder is just, it has a heat lamp and it's like a nice little nursery area for the chicks. Then they move out to what you would call a chicken tractor. And um, so then they have access to eating grass and bugs and they move and they have sunshine and they're happy, you know, and then you move them to a new patch of grass every day. Um, And so then they're getting, they're not sitting in their own feces. They're not, you know, like nasty. You, if you saw the commercial meat, you know, chicken industry, you would probably never eat chicken again, but um, so they're not covered in their own feces. They move to a new patch of grass every day. Um, up to 20% of a chicken's diet can be grass. And so, um, and chickens who are eating grass and in the sunshine have way more vitamin D in their meat than anything you could buy, you know, from a factory farm. Um, and so, so you move them every day um, and then, and then process them. And that chicken tastes phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I had someone who I shared some of my chicken with who does not like chicken at all. Doesn't like chicken. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it, it tastes night and day. Completely different. Yeah. So maybe if they tasted it, they might. <laughs> Be more inclined. Yeah. And if they knew that, you know, the conditions that that chicken lived its life in, you know, it was a happy chicken and it was in the sunshine and, you know, it wasn't crammed into a factory and then it wasn't processed on a, you know, a factory line where they don't always get them before they get them to the skull you know they don't always finish the job before they get to the scalder kind of thing you know and like uh factory chickens are like literally dipped in bleach because they're so like a bleach solution because there's so much bacteria and like in the factory line and so anyway so if you knew all that then you might be willing to pay more for a chicken yeah almost enough to make you want to go vegan 
Right. But they're not. I right. Mean, it's just actually, it's too good. yeah. When I uh, was going to school down in San Diego, I could not find like local good sources of meat. And I was a vegetarian for like three years because I couldn't. You didn't I, want to participate. In I that. didn't want to participate. Yes, exactly. So I'm super picky about my meat. Like, I feel like we have, I don't know, like this responsibility to um, honor the things we eat. You know what I mean? And um, to, uh, yeah, not participate in that. Yeah. Well, you seem to have that ethos on your channel of utilizing the animal yeah. to the fullest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that's as apparent today as it was back in the day. I don't think so. I mean, it goes back to the lard. Like, who even uses lard anymore? You know what I mean? Um, and no, I don't think um, in a lot of aspects that we're we're using as much as, as we can. You know well, how I mean? many people eat organ meat today? I, I know. Yeah, that's true. Makes great crab bait. <laughs> I what, didn't know that. That's what I use organ meat for is for crab bait. Yeah. Do you do you eat a lot of the organ meat from the animals? I'm not a fan of it. No. Really? Uh-uh. Not a big fan of the organ meat. Yeah. Like I've been on a stuff. liver kick. Really? I, yeah, I have, oh, I got chicken liver for you. I have like four <laughs> ounces a day. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. How do you cook it? I, I've started air frying it. Oh, I, that might be good. Hand frying it is a little... I seem to overcook it. Yeah. So I throw it in the air fryer and then... I don't think I've dialed down my technique yet, but yeah? it's enough where I can eat it and I'm not gagging. What are some of the health? <laughs> That's my problem. It's a texture thing for me with the with the liver. I'm I'm really not a big fan of it. No. What uh what are the health benefits of liver? I don't even know. Um I'm just gonna parrot things that I've heard. It's just incredibly nutrient dense. The yeah. organ meat uh -huh. is I mean, we all should be from what I've heard from people way smarter than me. We should all be eating organ meat. Probably it's just super dense yeah. liver, heart. Yeah, it's just it has a ton of vitamins in it. It's got a ton of nutrients. Yeah, I think most of the animals, most predators, when they get a kill, yeah, they go that's for that what stuff they go first. For. Oh, and yeah, I think totally. that probably that's says something, telling. right? Yeah, yeah uh huh. I do like heart. I will eat heart. Like from I haven't tried heart yet. And elk and stuff. I do like heart. So that's like if you cook it right, it tastes like a steak. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, but liver, it's a texture thing. If I could find a way, but for now, it makes fantastic crab bait. <laughs> the texture is rough. The smell can occasionally get me too. Yeah. But once I'm eating it, I'm like, okay, we're, yeah, we're I okay. I can, I can yes. push through. We're yeah. going to be fine. Uh -huh. For your health. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I tell myself. For my health, I can do right. this. Right. Uh-huh. But yeah, I eat a lot of that. I eat a lot of steak. Mm -hmm. Meat is basically most of my diet. Same. And then I add yeah. in... I do a lot of fruits and vegetables. Right. Yes. That's same with me. It's a lot of meat. Like, so I, I grow the chickens. Um, we um, grow pigs. We have some beef cows. Um, we do a lot of hunting. So like venison and elk and turkey um, and that kind of stuff. And so that's like, um, yeah, that's the basis of, of our diet is whatever meat that we can produce or get ourselves. A lot of fish and crab and stuff too. Yeah. So. Fish, I love fish. I've been kind yeah. of freaked out recently hearing about the levels of toxic metals. Oh, mercury in, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Supposedly uh -huh. mercury is super bad. Yeah. Like when you're pregnant, you're not supposed to eat like, you know, like fish that are high up on the food chain. Yeah. No, that is kind of freaky. That's true. Yeah. But I think if you're not eating a ton of it, it's it's probably okay. I don't really know. Yeah, I think you can get by. Yeah. But uh -huh. the, I mean, that's another ball game that's just insane. The fact that we're pulling out millions and millions of fish out of the ocean every day and just yeah 
we hope everything's okay down there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not super educated on all that. I know like the salmonid populations locally have had a, you know, a really, really rough go. Like it's like something like 2% of what numbers used to be, which is crazy. We just have a problem of overdoing everything. Yeah, we can. At yeah. every level. Right, yeah. No, we do. That's, yeah, human way. <laughs> you know what always trips me out is when you get into the hunting realm. Yeah. Because it seems like people, that's, if there's an attack pyramid, oh, that's, man. A, that's the peak. That's people the top of the ladder. jump on, yeah, uh-huh. But um, uh, I definitely, I love hunting and I I kind of think like like Stephen Ronella. I don't know if you know Stephen. Yeah, yeah. The Meat so, Eater podcast. Yeah, not exactly. that he needs a plug. But. Well, well, you're right. But but he he basically says like I don't think anybody loves the game that they're hunting more than hunters, and that is so true. Like I don't think anybody loves deer more than deer hunters. Like I like I love deer. I like you know I love to look at them. I love to study them. I love to watch. You know I love them, and. And as such, I think that hunters are far more concerned with conservation efforts than probably any other population. Further, they contribute financially more than any other population of people um, as far as, you know, conservation efforts and and monitoring populations and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, without hunters. Yeah. I mean, right. populations, bear populations. Right. Like where do people think all that money comes from? Exactly. From hunters right. Exactly. Into it. Exactly. And um, yeah, because they love it, you know. And and so without that, then there wouldn't be the level of um, research and care and dedication, you know, to those conservation efforts for sure. Yeah. And in terms of food quality, that is also at the top of the pyramid. Oh, you yeah. have those two camps. Oh, it's absolutely. The people that want to really be in touch with their food. Right. You go to hunting. Yeah. The people that really hate people doing that. Hunting is right. the go-to. Right. It doesn't get any more free range than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And or quality-wise. Right. I mean, exactly. that's the top of the oh, absolutely. top of the chain. Yeah. And I think another, you know, Stephen Rillo thing he says is like to not hunt is a relatively new human experiment. Like for us to not be hunters is only in the last like, you know, a couple hundred years, you know? Um, and so I think that that is like a big Part of how we think, you know what I mean? And that whole process of hunting. And I think that um, that's why so many people are so like crazy about it because it reconnects us with what kind of made us human to begin with. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. So I think um, it's kind of to not hunt is a new, a new experiment for us. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's almost, if you got conspiratorial about it, Yeah. it almost feels like there's this desire to separate people from their food. And from cultivating their own food. Control the food, control the people. Absolutely, yes. I, I agree 100%. Because um, if you have control of the food, then you can make them do whatever you want. You know what I mean? So I, I would agree with that, yeah. Not to be a conspiracy theorist on here, but yeah. I, well, it's funny. I mean, saying that, it's such yeah. a rational thought, and yet people instantly... I mean, the branding for conspiracy theories today is so good. Right. Because there's so many under that umbrella where as soon as you talk about it, oh, <laughs> tinfoil hat. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, then there's also the saying, like, I used to be cons a conspiracy theorist, but then they all came true. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that whole term conspiracy theory came from the CIA. Yeah, and they yeah, coined it. Yeah, how funny is that? Right. That the CIA would do that. Yeah, because people were, like, questioning, like, hey, are, I don't know if that happened. They're like, oh, you're a, a conspiracy theorist, you know? And um, and and so that whole term was coined to um, deter people from asking questions. 
I think it really caught on with the JFK assassination, yes, right? Isn't that exactly. when it really mm-hmm. when people were like went next Hold level. on, something's not right here and and trying to get to the truth and yeah, so it was yeah. Sus. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about marketing. They they have achieved an incredible level mm-hmm. of of just being able to attach one word to everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and being so effective at it. That's the crazy part. Right. Yeah. So effective. Uh-huh. Well, it helps when you can uh control okay. How how deep are we going on the conspiracies <laughs> here? Cause have you been watching like Twitter files and stuff? I have. I yeah. I do not know enough. I actually there's a guy I want to bring on to talk about it because he's kind of somewhat in that realm. Right. But from what I've read, government basically censoring people, yeah, CIA, FBI. Right. Exactly. And the crazy part is the mainstream media, whatever that means for whoever's listening, not talking not about talking it. Not talking about it. I know. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. It is Have you dug into that a lot? Not a lot. Not enough to feel that I had an authority to speak on it. So, but, um, but I do think that, you know, if you can control what people see and perceive, then you have a lot more control. Yeah, for sure. What is your take from both of our limited perspectives here? What is your take on all of that? I think it's terrible for the government to be censoring, you know, and, and not allowing free speech is a major issue. Um, and, then now seeing what's whatever's going on, you know, like I, I think that people should be able to say, you know, their truth and not um I, I think it's terrible for the government to completely steer um the public perception and to shut down certain voices that are very credible voices and to have silenced that is um I think a major problem. Major problem. Yeah. Well the fact that they had this back door where they could just go in and say, yeah. hey, this person take this down needs yeah. to go. Uh huh. Yeah. That should freak everybody out. Right? That should make everybody very uncomfortable. Seriously. And people just chalk it up to, well, that's what the government does. They probably deserved it. And then you look past the surface and you're like, well, this I've I've heard stories from that that people were just calling for a cheaper vaccine, regardless of your stance on the vaccine, a cheaper one. And they got pulled. Oh wow. Because Pfizer was like, er. Not, what's BioNTech? Yeah, I think the parent uh-huh. company reached out and said, "Hey, right, we gotta. Yeah, this person's messing uh-huh. with the bottom line. We gotta take this out. Activists right. they were going after. I mean, and you think about like the money that is driving that. So the money from the corporation is, you know, lobbying with with the government and the CIA to censor certain things so that they can make more money. Yeah, really uncomfortable. Very, and it's you have scary. to think." If it's happening with Twitter, yeah, what are the odds it's not happening with Facebook and YouTube? I think they did come out and say Facebook was doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they were. Kind of a red flag. Right. Which makes you be like, well, I'm going to make sure I, you know, can take care of myself. You know what I mean? So, yeah, make sure I have enough food. <laughs> it's It's just weird because you have people that want to... When they hear conspiracy theory, they want to just stick their head in the sand Mm -hmm. or they hear the Twitter files and they just chalk it up to right wing extremism or just fake news or Russiagate. That's another thing that came out is that Russiagate was pretty much bullshit is my understanding. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know know much about that one. So pretty much bullshit. Yeah. Right. But there really wasn't any collusion. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But now you're a conspiracy theorist. Right. 
Yeah. What? I mean, we can't even, people can't even come to the table to talk about right. these ideas yes. anymore. Yes. Uh huh. We can't even ask the questions. And people say, you know, trust the science. Well, that, that's the whole basis of science is to question everything. You know what I mean? Like, question everything. And we should be able to question everything in science. That's the whole point of science. You know what I mean? Is asking questions and finding answers based on actual facts. You know what I mean? So, of course, we should be questioning science, you know? So, no, it's crazy out there. And I think people are feeling the effects of that. I think think people are feeling like the world's getting kind of nuts. You I know think what people I mean? are anxious. Yes, people are getting very, so too, yeah. very worked up, which yeah. is not great because people are already right. teetering on the edge. Yes. Uh-huh. People are already, we've been on edge, you know, since 2020 March hit and we've been just, and then just more stuff keeps coming out and we're like, okay, what's next? You know what I mean? Like what could possibly be, you know, worse, but it keeps, stuff keeps happening and stuff keeps rolling downhill. And, um, I think people are definitely on edge and, and very anxious. And I think that kind of makes them, uh, you know, suck back and think, reevaluate, you know, like I, like the, the whole, uh, exodus from the cities has been happening. People moving out of the city into the country so that they can, live a a safer life you know what I mean like a, a more sustainable life like there's been a huge exodus of people leaving the city and leaving California <laughs> yeah California in general yeah just a uh -huh. mass exodus right yeah but from the cities as I think you know so um yeah so I think people are kind of uh getting privy to it I think I mean tying all that together I think people are realizing that it's not as stable as everybody would like to believe. Right, yes. That this whole thing is just made up of people, mm -hmm. and people are very unpredictable. And people that don't care about you, yeah, are the ones in, in charge. Yeah, right. And yeah. everybody wants to pick a side. Everybody's, I know. I got my guy. He's looking out for me. Uh, and regardless if you like Trump, if you like Biden, they don't give a they shit do not about care you. care about at you. All. I know. And that's the whole point, though, I think, from you know, higher up that we don't see is, you know, to divide and conquer, you know what I mean? And we are totally being divided and it makes me so sad. You know what I mean? Like friendships, like lifelong friendships and family relationships destroyed over this stuff that's been happening, you know? And that is, that's horrible, you know, that's heartbreaking. And, um, but I, at the same time, think it's intentional, you know? So, um, it's scary. Well, what I've always heard is that <clears throat> if you keep people focusing on a, a plethora of problems, they can't ever get anything done. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the problem with the momentum that we're on now is it's just one thing after another. It's right. COVID. Yes. It's the police. It's right. food. It's all of these issues. It's Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I mean, how are we supposed to stop, take a breath and actually address a problem yeah, and when up. another one keeps knocking right. at the door exactly yeah uh-huh yeah that's true it's a lot it's a lot yeah and i think that's i mean kudos to you i think you've kind of tapped into that in a way because people want to be self-sufficient there's a yeah. new resurgence of okay the world's falling apart <laughs> <Right>. i need <laughs> to rely yeah. on myself right i need to be able to provide i need to be able to have some food right and yeah. then they go to youtube and they find you Right. Yes. And they find that it's actually not that hard. You know what I mean? And um, and that's what I really I think my aim is to encourage people is it's really not that hard. It just takes learning some new skills. 
and um, and you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and just pick one thing at a time. And um, but yeah, I think there is a huge push right now um, of people wanting to get back to their food and be more self-sufficient. On that topic of self-sufficiency, though, I will say that I don't think that there is any. I don't think that true self-sufficiency is really actually attainable unless you're like, you know, Joe up in the mountains and you've been living there for years by yourself. That is true self-sufficiency. And I don't think that is what most of us really actually want. But I do believe that community sufficiency is attainable. And that kind of goes back to, you know, people trading with each other and whatever, but your community sufficiency. And that's really one of my big, you know, goals behind this is to help my community as a whole become more self-sufficient because I think that the backbone of every community is food security. And and so helping our entire community just inch closer to that goal because um, we can't live on our own, to, to be very honest. We are dependent on each other and we do want to be around other people as much as we say, like we, you know, especially in the homesteading community, like, People like don't want to be around other people, but we do like we like to be around other people. And, you know, we like to have those relationships and, you know, get together and whatever. And so um, I don't know that self-sufficiency is truly actually attainable, but I think community sufficiency is. And I think that's what our focus needs to be moving toward and not getting all our stuff from all over the world. You know what I mean? Like really supporting our local and Humboldt's so good about that, about supporting local stuff. Um, but I think we need to be doing more, you know what I mean? And I think we're moving in that direction. I think people want to, especially here. Yeah. Well, it's kind of romantic in yeah. a way as well. Uh-huh, the it idea is. That yeah. I can just depend on me and my community. Right. Like I don't yes. need to extend it to food grown in mm-hmm. whatever state, X state, X exactly. miles away, right. where I can yeah. just go down the street and Bob's got it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And you're like, I am really good at growing beets, but I know I can't process chickens, but I can trade some beets for some chicken. You know what I mean? Like it can, it can be, you know, us as like just a whole organism, you know what I mean? Working together. So I would love to see that happen more. <laughs> well, I think that's a good goal to strive for. Yeah. Because you're right. If shit does hit the fan, you being alone is not going to, yeah. it's not going to pan out how you think it is. But exactly. if you have a community right, and everybody's self-sufficient within that community, right. and then you come together yes. and help one another. Because, I mean, you see that even today. If you're in the middle of nowhere and you break down, you're going to need somebody else. Mm-hmm. If exactly. your tractor we stops need working. Each other. Yeah, you need people. We need each other. Yes. And the more people that are more you know, self-sufficient or whatever, that means there's less people that aren't self-sufficient that are like panicking. You know what I mean? The more people that at least have a little bit of, you know, awareness and knowledge, whatever, there that means that's one less person that's like, you know, at Winco immediately. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, just as a whole moving towards that. Yeah. Moving away from the people that are going to bum rush you and say, I need yeah. to be with you because yeah. I don't uh-huh. know what I'm doing. I, have, I can't feed myself. Yeah. Like I, so I'm going to, I'm going to pair up with you and we're just going to stick together. For you this. Know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. And if you think about it, like if you don't have any homestead skills, they're not going to let you in. Yeah. Why? You're, you're know, just going like, to be a drag on the food right, supply. Exactly. Yeah. So thinking about developing those kind of skills and being able to do them proficiently enough that you are not reliant on the internet for it. 
You know what I mean? That's kind of counterintuitive for me to say that, but like learning it now so that you have it later. Cause it's, it's a lot longer of a road than people probably think. Like, like 2020 people got chicks and then they're like, Oh wait, it's going to be six months before I have eggs. You know what I mean? Like do it now, get chickens now, you know, start growing stuff now so that you're ready beforehand. Because if you wait until, you know, crap hits the fan, then you're too late, you know? So yeah, learning it now. To get to your level of survivability, I guess, if you would phrase it like that, what are you talking in years? Would somebody have to oh, dedicate to I don't know. I think that they could pick up a, a lot in a year for sure. Yeah, if you like going through one growing season and, and eating seasonally and experiencing that, uh, light years ahead of, you know. So like if you are able to go through a year where you're starting now and like you're planting your garden now and then go through the planting season and then the fresh eating season and then the canning season and then into the winter where you're eating from stores that you – and then once you've done that once, you're just, you're, you're Off gold. The races. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How did you learn just reading books? A lot of YouTube. <laughs> YouTube, wow. Yeah. A lot of YouTube, a lot of books in the beginning, especially a lot of books. Um, and um, yeah, mostly books. And, and then, and then more and more people started doing YouTube. Um, and, and like, I read a lot of like online articles and blogs and stuff like that. And, and then finding people like locally who knew how to do something like, um, like the first time I ever made pickles was with, uh, like my mom's friend, you know what I mean? Like a long, long time ago. And, uh, and so that was, or the first time I made bread was in high school with, you know, with my friend's mom showed me how to make bread. So finding the people, um, you know, that do the things and then, and then learning from them. So, yeah. I noticed that most of your videos, it seems like canning is a heavy topic. Yeah. Canning is a heavy topic. Yes, for sure. Cause that's just like the, the go-to. Like the intro. Method of food preservation like like when i'm making meals this time of year i'm pulling stuff off the shelves you know in the summer i'm going to be pulling stuff straight out of the garden but it's just because of the season um and canning's actually slower now you know in january than it will be next august and september um but yeah canning's like the go-to but i also do a lot of like curing and like like the bacon and stuff like that and um the meats are all frozen um, I do some dehydrating, but, uh, and I've looked in a little bit to freeze drying. Have you seen freeze drying? Okay. So freeze drying, you're supposed to be able to, like, if you, um, get like one of those backpack meals, have you ever seen those? Like when you go backpacking and there's that like freeze dried meal in a bag, you just add hot water and you have like macaroni and cheese or whatever. Like an MRE type? Sort of, not quite, but it's basically like, um, a method of food preservation where it'll stay good for like 20 years and um but it's this huge machine it has a pump um and you put it in there and um the texture can kind of come out i i'm still new to it um i have a friend locally who does the the freeze drying thing and i need to get together with her and and experiment with some stuff but that would be a more long and it's also lighter than canning so you can take it with you you know what i mean whereas canning jars are like a heavy thing if you needed to like leave Bug out. yeah like oh tsunami is coming like leave let me grab um, my jars my jars yeah um so that's one advantage of freeze drying but no canning is kind of like the the must have excuse me as far as um food preservation it's like the go-to for preserving things and having them taste good other than freezing but yeah i stick to meats for freezing how long does canning typically last 
until it's not good anymore. <laughs> uh, it can last for years. Generally, I'm canning stuff and I will eat it within, usually within two years, but I've eaten stuff five years old and it's totally still good. Um, and it'll still be good, but the the quality will start to go down after a couple years and the, you know, the texture and the quality will start to go down. But it can be good for a really long time. But in an ideal world, you only need your canned foods to stay good for one or two years. You know what I mean? Um, like I did tomato sauce two years ago and made enough that last year I actually totally failed at tomatoes and didn't do tomato sauce. And so, but I still have tomato sauce from two years ago that I'm still eating on. You know what I mean? So, um, so it lasts a long time, very long time. Yeah. And with the freeze drying, do you have that degradation of the quality as well? Uh, no, it's no, just, that's just solid. Yeah. Frozen in, in state. Yes. That's uh -huh. pretty cool. As far as for I that know. Amount of time. Yes. But the, the machines to do it are really expensive, like, like five grand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. pretty big investment. Yeah. So it's a big like. So, yeah, that'd be a very big investment. Yeah. So is that what you're thinking of kind of leaning into next? Maybe, down the road? I don't know. Probably not, to be honest with you. Maybe eventually. Um, but the canning serves me great. You know what I mean? So I have um, several canners, but I have like the um, All-American. It's for Geek Speak. It's the All-American 941. It's like the biggest canner that they make. And I can fit so many jars. In I that saw thing. your video about that. how many jars can yeah, I fit into this? It's thing? insane. Like I did a hundred pounds of tuna all at once. Between I have two of them actually, but I did a, a hundred pounds of tuna all in one like before lunch in one sitting. Which when you can tuna, it has to be under pressure for a hundred minutes. So it has to be like that's a long time, and then it has to depressurize before you put the next batch in. So to get that much tuna done at once is like super cool yeah big goal yeah have you read home canned tuna i know oh I've, my honestly gosh. i have it that salsa might be oh. one of maybe five things i've had that's homemade and canned oh yeah? yeah dude so once you have home canned tuna like you will see store tuna as cat food like there is no comparison it's absolutely that much in, of a difference oh my gosh it's like big flakes of meat it's just it's absolutely delicious yeah it's amazing flavors way better yeah, most everything. Home, that seems yeah. to be the moral yeah. of the story. Right. If you can do it on your own, do it because it's going to be better. Oh, yeah. So night and day better. Yeah. You'll never want to go back. <laughs> what about processing of like animal meat? Do you do any of that or oh, do yeah. you have plans to do that? Um, yeah. So I um, usually do a lot of chicken. So um, process those. Um, and I was saying for the um, for people who want to process their own meat chickens, um, there is a trailer locally that has all the processing equi equipment on it that you can rent. I believe it's through the extension service. I don't have all the information, but I know that it exists. So it has, like when you're processing chickens, you need to have cones to put them in for dispatch. And then you need a scalder to dunk them in to soften the feathers. And then you throw them into a plucker, which is like this big, it looks like a washing machine almost with all these rubber fingers. And you throw the chicken in there and it goes and, and it plucks it in like 60 seconds. So it's like way faster. Um, anyway, so there's this trailer that you can rent that has all that equipment, and I think it's pretty inexpensive to rent it. So, but yeah, the the meat chickens, um, pigs, um, beef cows, um, and then um, I've done turkeys in the past, and I actually I used to do meat rabbits too, which uh, meat rabbits are like the ultimate in like if crap really hit the fan like if you could only have one protein source it would be rabbits 
Um, so the cool thing about rabbits is a, they're meal sized. And so you're not dependent on refrigeration for a long time, you know, or having to like a cow, like if you do a steer, like you have to have a freezer. Um, so they're meal sized, so you can have, you know, dispatch per meal or whatever. Um, they can reproduce naturally, which meat chickens, they can't. Right. Um, and they are usually ready in like 10 or 12 weeks. So way faster than like a chicken that you'd hatch. Um, and you can feed them without the feed store. So you can, um, there's a book called Beyond the Pellet and you can feed meat rabbits with just stuff that you forage. Like you could go out and pick them, you know, grass. So if you were really in a survival situation, like rabbits are totally way, the way to go. Um, and they're also quiet. They don't make any noise. So if you're like trying to be on the down low or whatever, then they're, they're also quiet. So meat rabbits are awesome and they taste really good. Tastes like, um, like, have you ever had that rabbit? I've not. Oh, it's like it's like somewhere between like chicken and pork. It's it's very very good actually. It's delicious. Well, and quick breeding rate. Yeah, and super quick. Yeah, it has a thirty day gestation. Yeah, and so you can yeah breed like rabbits. Yes. So. Do you still breed rabbits? Or? I don't no. anymore. I don't have a need for it. Um, if I really needed to, I would go back to it. And I do love rabbits, but um, I don't at the moment. Yeah. So. And you would still need a. A fat source, right? Isn't rabbit so okay? Famine or what is so, that? So yeah, so uh, rabbit starvation or whatever. Um, so that came from uh, eating rabbits that were like wild hares, which are like super, super, super lean, like very, very lean. And yes, so in that situation, like if you were dependent on wild rabbits, you would not get enough meat or enough fat. But the domestic rabbits that we Rays have tons of fat on them. Like they definitely have fat. Shocker. So I don't think we've done an updated analysis of how much fat is on a domestic rabbit, but it's far more than like that. So that came from like people only eating wild hares way back in the day and they would literally waste away because they weren't getting enough fat. So um, so I don't think that's the case with domestic rabbit. No. But that's a good Because that's yeah, that's what mm -hmm. I always heard was you can't just right. survive off rabbit. Yeah. But that would make sense that Right. The rabbits that we're breeding in captivity are a little Absolutely. different. Absolutely. Way, way different. Totally different animal. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so are you making videos of you doing that processing as I well? I plan on it. I am a little, like, worried about... I, I YouTube. YouTube. And I'm YouTube still... YouTube. lead back to YouTube. I know. And I'm a little bit... Uh, I just feel like I need to learn the boundaries of that. But I definitely plan on it because I've had a lot of people ask about it. And I've had people ask if I would process you know, chickens or whatever for them. And I'm like, oh, I'll show you how <laughs> I don't want to do all your chickens and you don't want to pay me what I would, you know, to make it worth my time or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do plan on doing videos on that. I just need to learn more about YouTube's, um, heavy hand. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, cause they're, um, there's definitely things that all, um, and I'm still working toward monetization. Like I'm not monetized yet. So I, I'm like, I'll wait, you know, until I am monetized and get to a point where, um, I'm not like, I don't want those videos to be at the top when they're like reviewing me for monetization. So yeah, but I do plan on it. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube, YouTube's content policy can be yeah. Uh -huh. interesting to navigate. Yes. I'm learning. And <laughs> like I did, uh, in I did a the crab video on the catch the crab catch and cook and I um took the crab in and I had cooked it and I was eating it and the radio was on and it's playing a song on the radio and I didn't even think about it and someone was like oh you gotta watch that because if you have you know uh content or like you know music playing in the background 
uh, then you can get that video demonetized because of that being in the video. So you have to watch for like that stuff. I'm like, I always have a radio on, <laughs> you know? So yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff you have to watch out for, for sure. Yeah. I'm still trying to work through all that because I've also heard that you can have certain things going on if you're talking and it's not just focused so like music in the background, as long as it's not just playing the music oh, really? and there's no silence. I don't know. Don't quote me. I don't I'm know. Still, yeah. I don't know either. I'm, I get yeah. flagged by YouTube. Right. I mean, it's we have a love hate relationship. Yeah, I know. Yes. It's yeah. It's um, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning though. It's a slow process, but I'm learning what they're, what they're okay with and what they're not. Yeah. But I think that would be great. I would love mm -hmm. to watch those videos too. Yeah, I think that'd be uh -huh. another avenue for you to go down if you're interested. Definitely. Yes. I would love to do that in the future. Yeah. That's definitely um, in the works. And I, I think that how it would work is I couldn't show the actual dispatch of it. Um, but all the rest of the process, I think I could show all of that. So there used to be a class at um, Fortuna Feed uh, that did a meat chicken processing class. Did you ever see that? I don't know if you ever did, but it was years ago. I don't know if you can even do it anymore, but they hosted classes and you would come and they'd have a whole pen of meat chickens ready to go and you'd um, like they would demonstrate how to do it and then you'd go in and get your chicken and that was actually not the first time I did it but I took the class and you'd get your chicken and um, and actually do the whole process yourself and then at the end of the class you'd take that chicken home with you and and so I thought that was really cool I would love to see something like that happen again in the future yeah that's pretty awesome because I yeah. have no idea how to butcher a chicken right I yeah would be, uh -huh. I would just like, what do, I, where do I even start? Yeah, what do, yeah. I, what uh -huh. do I do with this? Yeah, and it's really not that hard. Um, well, the dispatch itself is always hard, but I think if that's not difficult for somebody, then they're probably a psychopath. <laughs> dispatch know? being the, the actual, initial. Yes, yeah. uh-huh, the actual unaliving, yes. Unaliving. Yes. <laughs> unaliving, <laughs> yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yes, so um, that is definitely the hardest part of the entire um, process, but I kind of think that um, it's good for somebody to pay that karmic price and not expect someone else to pay that price for you, if, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, even if you do it once and understand what someone else is going through to do that for you, you know what I mean? It's, I think it's a good perspective to have if you're going to, if you're going to eat meat, you know, to know what it, what it's like, you know? I think it would be better across the board yeah if people did that i think it would make them more understandable of people who go out and hunt for their food i think that, they would get the yes. connection uh -huh. i think it would help ease some of the degree of separation from just going to the grocery store and yes getting a tri-tip and then going home right. thinking, oh this is just how meat is right yeah um and i think that it would um help people understand the value of me as well and we would be more willing to pay more for it and less willing to waste any of it you know if we understood the really true like if you've done that you understand what that feels like you know what I mean so I think it'd be good for everybody yeah and you have an appreciation for what life really is yeah absolutely yes every day that we're alive something else has to die and that's just the reality of this planet that we live on every day that we live something else has to die so that we can go on living and I think that we like to pretend that's not true you know what I mean and it, we just like to stick our heads in the sand and 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 pretend that that's not the case so yeah that's part of it <laughs> what do you 
What's your day job? Do you have a day job? Yeah, I a I, I work for a veterinarian, and so oh, I'm, that's perfect. Yeah, right? uh-huh, yeah, and and so um so yeah, so I work for him, and yeah, so that's what I do as a tech. Yeah, so that's yeah. cool. That's right up the alley of where yeah. you are. Uh-huh. I mean, that, yeah, you couldn't think and, of a better match, right? And I also I uh, I breed dogs too, so I breed miniature Australian shepherds as well. So that's kind of another avenue too. So oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people. Yeah. I know somebody else. I was talking to somebody else the other day that breeds dogs, and she's shipping them all over the world. Oh yeah, uh huh. I don't know if they're like purebred German shepherds, maybe. Oh okay, or cool. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. She's out yeah. Here just I already dogs all over the place. Yeah, I have my next two litters that are planned. Their wait lists are already full, and yeah, so good dogs. <laughs> What's your plan with the YouTube? Just keep doing I'm your just thing gonna and see where it goes. Film what I do. I'm just gonna keep filming what I've been doing, and that's kind of been my plan. I'm like, oh, whenever I have a task at hand that I would normally do. I'm just going to film it and put it on YouTube. You know, like right now I'm making fire cider. And so that, that'll be my next one is because I ran out of fire cider and I needed more. And so that'll be the next one. And, and then I'll do, you know, planting and, and selecting different varieties for vegetables. And, you know, I, so I'm just going to film what I do and see if it helps people. Yeah. Well, not to blow smoke up your ass, but your videos are pretty awesome. Oh, thank I think you. you, especially with the B-roll that you have in your videos, oh, I mean, thanks. it flows really well. I think oh, you've got an you. act for it. Thank you Take very much. Take that with a grain of salt, but I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. I'm so new to it. Like, I'm so new to it. I have the, I had the camera because for taking pictures of the puppies. And um, so I, but then I learned, I was like, oh, I definitely need a different lens for different things, you know? And so um, so I invested in some different lenses and then it, I watch a lot of YouTube too. So I like, I know what I want to see, you know what I mean? And, um, it's boring to just sit some, you know, and watch someone just talk and not have little stuff in between. And, um, so thank you very much. That means a lot. Cause I feel so like fish out of water, like learning it. And I, it takes me so, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get more efficient at the editing, but the editing takes me so long. And I'm like, why can't I move the text? Like I, it's so frustrating sometimes, but I'm getting the hang of it. But thank you very much. That means a lot. Cause I feel like it's yeah. Hard. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got an act for it. There's a learning curve with the back end stuff, the editing, the yes. trying to get everything to yes. lay out how you want. But uh-huh. I think you, you've got some, a natural talent for that. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. What are you doing? Editing was what software do you uh, use? Adobe Premiere Pro. Yeah. I just started using Oh, Pro. really? I was doing DaVinci. Okay. And Pro's just, it's just way That's better. what Lisa, who did, she, the one who told me, like, to do the YouTube, she said to use that program. So I got that program. And that was it's, a good call. It's hard, though, isn't it? I don't know what DaVinci's well, like, so. I think DaVinci's harder. So oh, for me, okay. after struggling with DaVinci for oh, two yeah. years, uh-huh. moving to Premiere was like, yeah. oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's okay. And oh, I'm, okay. this is way easier than what you're doing because... I don't have to think about, oh, when do I do this? Do I need to add this B-roll? It's right. either you talking or it's me talking. Yeah. So it kind of takes a lot of the heavy lifting out of, the out of my hands. Yes. Uh-huh. Or like going back and like, oh, I forgot to film that. And then like setting it all back up. Or And the thumbnail is a huge part. Like I it's did important. not realize how important the thumbnail is. Um, and so uh, – yeah, that has been a whole other thing. Like, so any, like I used to be like, oh yeah, the thumbnail. Now I'm like, okay, what's the, before I even start filming anything, I'm like, okay, what is the thumbnail and the title going to be? Because if nobody clicks on it, no one's going to watch it, you know? And so I'm thinking about the thumbnail before I even start filming anymore. So that's a big part of it. That's some, that was some of the best advice I watched in the YouTube video was the thumbnail is pretty much everything. everything. Because it doesn't matter how good 
the video is. Yeah. People don't click on it. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It could be the best video in the world. And if nobody's clicking on it, then it doesn't matter. It just fades away. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah the thumbnails, I'm still tweaking thumbnails and titles. And yeah. I think that's just a game that you're always yes. trying to figure uh -huh. out. Yeah. I joined some like Facebook groups for like, you know, like the homesteaders of YouTube or whatever. And I'm like, how's this? They're like, nope, bad. Go back to the drawing board, you know? And so that's been really nice to get feedback from other people that are actually successful with it. And, um, no, it's a lot. Yeah. It's definitely takes a lot longer than just doing it, but yeah. yeah. But it's a good resource. I'm, yeah. I think it's awesome that you're doing it. I think Thanks. Yeah. I think people will really like it and take advantage of that and learn some new skills, hopefully. Right. Yeah. And if nothing else, like just learn some things about where your food's coming from. You know what I mean? Like even if you don't do it, like understanding what someone else did to do it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, it's good. That's awesome. Well, Tessa, I really appreciate you coming on. We'll have <laughs> to do this again. Yeah, for sure. Fun. I'm down. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my yeah. pleasure. Uh-huh. Do you want to plug where people can find you, where oh. they can find your channel, all your stuff? Sure. Yeah. So it's just, it's Modern Homesteading um, with Tessa on YouTube. That's that's pretty much it. And yeah, it's baby channel. So if anyone wants to subscribe, like Hit and that subscribe, subscribe that would be awesome. I'm like almost to 700 and trying to get to a thousand. So that would be super, super awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, Tessa, really thank you. I, I had a lot of fun talking with you. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on.